welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout Leader, Lays with Beave, also known as Dustin. Cross from me. I am Denim Day 8 on the patch. Still wearing patch. I saw you smoke a cigarette yesterday. Yeah, but that I was still on the patch. <laughs> you're you're going to fall over. <laughs> I was playing poker, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> and uh, in between the two wall boys, you have myself. I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief Runs With Bins. Thank you for joining us on the another episode of the Order of the Straight Arrow. And to kick this meeting off like we do the rest, we're going to start with our Straight Arrow Oath. So for those of you in scout uniform, three-finger salute, and those in civilian clothes, Hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always carries dental floss. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We Matanya? We Matanya! You got beer all over your pop filter. You got pop all over my beer filter. Uh. Yeah, why do why don't they call it beer filters, not pop filters? <laughs> All right, so now that this meeting has officially begun, let's go through some episode info from our historian. So this is the final Shin Salt. This is still season two, episode eighteen. This is the thirtieth overall. Originally aired on March fifteenth, nineteen ninety-eight. This one's written by Alan Friedland and Alan R. Cohen. This is their fourth of fifteen. Uh, they also wrote Shins of the Father, Jump and Crack, Crack Bass, Snow Job. Some cotton-themed ones. Definitely. They also wrote uh, one of your favorite movies. Max Keeble's Big Move? No, Due Date. Oh, Due Date. <laughs> one time? <laughs> and this one is directed by first-timer Jack Dyer. This is his first credit as a director in all of television. He got his start at King of the Hill, like in the animation department. He only directed two episodes of King of the Hill. This is being his first. But uh, after 99, he went on to do, like, one small job over at Family Guy and then the Oblongs until he got a job at The Simpsons where he has he was until I assume he's done in 2016 because there's no more credits after that. But I mean, it's a pretty good reference to have on your resume there. He got him a job at The Simpsons. Yeah, he's got a pretty sweet uh, alumni mailing list, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, he didn't actually do a director's intro for this particular episode. The fuck? <laughs> Fucking rookie. Synopsis for this. Cotton seemingly loses his mind after failing his vision exam for his driver's license. He failed his vision test? <laughs> <laughs> So this episode kicks off with uh, no cold open, nope. just the song, and Peggy is in class. She's subbing for Mrs. Dorlin, who's sick with the hantavirus. Oh, I looked that shit up briefly. That is like the most disgusting sounding virus to ever have. You always, you're the one who gets the most creeped out by the medical stuff, but you always end up looking it up. I know, I'm so curious because I want to be like, <laughs> educated on it in case one of you bros wants to talk about it. But I just like, as soon as I start reading, I'm like, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I rat just. feces and shit. I was, I was too busy actually looking up uh, General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Oh, you mean Santiani. Santiani, <laughs> as Cotton calls him. And, yeah, I figure maybe I'll just bring us all up to speed here with the uh, history lesson. On the Hantavirus? 
No, on uh, Santa Ana. Okay, well, fun fact, 38% fatality rate on the Hantavirus. Oh, you have some stats. Just that one. <laughs> okay. Well, it's going to be a big stint for Peggy then. Yeah. <laughs> so... Please enlighten us on General Saniani. So Antonio Lopez de Santana was president of the Mexican Republic as well as the United States of Mexico. When the public liked him, they loved him. And when they hated him, which was also frequent. They fucking hated him. They exhumed his leg <laughs> and dra- drug it through the streets in protest because they hated him so much at one point. It's horrifying. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself here. He gave himself a nickname, Napoleon of the West. Was he short? (laughs) Well, I mean, he's missing a leg, so he probably had some. (laughs) Did they name some sort of, like, beef Wellington dish after him? (laughs) Because if not, I don't care. That'd be another. That's a good question, actually. I don't know. But, um, yeah, at one point he was, like, shunned to Cuba. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> when he had to, when he was like called back to Mexico because they were like, oh, we like you again. <laughs> he was like, he had to get through like a United States blockade, oh. and so he just like went to the U.S. and was like, hey, I'm gonna go back and like do like political shit in Mexico, and I'll just I'll 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 push for like a peaceful agreement here. And the Americans were like, yeah, 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 go go on, go for it. And then as soon as he got there, he just like armed troops and just attacked the United States. No. <laughs> yeah. no. But this was after the uh, 1936 attack on the Alamo. Oh, shit. So after he won. So, yeah. It was what year? Oh, that was in 1840. 18. Yeah. Right. So the Alamo was in 1836. Right. And then two years later, after the Alamo, he lost his leg to the French in... Oh, uh, uh, to like a cannonball. He just had beef with everyone, <laughs> didn't yeah. he? Hey, I don't know. We'll fight you. Well, he started calling himself Napoleon. So like the French were like, no. No. Uh, <laughs> so they took his leg and then, so here actually, I have a funny little story. I have an excerpt from a website where it explains his law, his leg that he loses. Uh, Santa Ana led a makeshift army against French forces who had invaded Veracruz, Mexico, in what has been called the Pastry War, after the general was severely wounded by grapeshot fire from a French cannon. Doctors were forced to amputate his leg, which Santa Ana buried in his Veracruz hacienda, after he once again assumed the presidency in 1842, Santa Ana exhumed his shriveled leg, paraded it to Mexico City in an ornate coach, and buried it beneath a cemetery monument in an elaborate state funeral that included canon salvos, poetry, and lofty orations. <laughs> Santa Ana's severed leg did not remain in the ground for long, however. In 1844, public opinion had turned on the president, and rioters tore down his statues, dug up his leg, and a mob tied the severed appendage to a rope and dragged it through the streets of Mexico while shouting, Death to the Cripple. What? <laughs> yeah. All that over a shriveled old leg. I know. And so, but yeah, as the episode does say in 1947, at Battle of Cerro Gordo, uh, Americans surprised the general while he was enjoying a lunch of chicken. And he just escaped without his leg. And in the uh, most American display I've ever seen, they 
then now this is the story that they took his leg after they found it and just right there on like the bloody battlefield just like set up a quick game of baseball with his leg. No. <laughs> yeah. And then they took it back to Chicago and then the like army guys just like trooped it around the country charging a dime for anybody to have a look at it. <laughs> just like the Illinois volunteer infantry did that. Yeah. They were, uh, I believe the Illinois volunteer carnies after that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. And uh, it's still there. And if you'd like to, uh, there's been many attempts to return the leg to Mexico. Um, but just they've all failed. They've all been tried to used in some leverage of some deal that fails. Um, but if you want to contact Dick Durbin, his website has an <laughs> email list. You can contact him and let you know your thoughts on the leg. <laughs> if you think it belongs back in Mexico. You don't got to pay a dime to go and see it anymore, however. I feel like using the leg as leverage in a deal is like, yeah, we kind of want it, but like we don't want it like that badly. Like I They do. Mexico wants it more than like America is like willing to admit, I think. Okay. Like I've wa I watched a bunch of like morning talk shows where they were all like, hey, this is a crazy thing. There's this weirdo leg. And like Mexicans are very serious. Like, hey. That's like give that back. That's like our president, like our former president's leg. Like return that, and like a lot of yeah, these people are just like, oh wow, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> Why do you want this so bad? They're basically like finders keepers. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading an article too that's like Texas also wants it. Yeah, like for Texas them wants it. for themselves and. Um, Illinois was like, fuck you. We've been uh, maintaining it for 160 years. Uh, what's the difference if it's in your state or uh, our state? I stole your fake leg. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's yep. uh, just our history lesson here. Thanks for that history lesson, Mr. Historian. And uh, yeah, back to Arlen, back to the classroom. Uh, Joseph is portraying the great general, Saniani. Uh, Bobby's one of his privates. And there's some other kid. I think that might have been... Garth, but I couldn't really tell. He had like a little funny hat on. And I know Dooley was the American. Yeah, Dooley killed him. <laughs> yeah. So Peggy goes on to explain to the class that the leg will be passing through Arlen. As we speak, Santa Ana's real fake leg is making its way from museum to museum on its journey home. I guess you could say the Arlen Museum is the last leg of the tour. <laughs> Good one, Peggy. <laughs> Oh, oh, Peggy. I like that uh, bucket of chicken made another cameo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Bobby, you could just tell. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. Like, but do I actually get to eat the chicken? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you and Joseph can just eat fried chicken in front of the class and wear a funny outfit. He gets to do it every time he performs that scene. It's funny. When I was watching that, I was like, I you know, uh, haven't watched that episode in a while, but I am happy to announce that this is the first episode of season two I've been able to watch on my DVDs. Hey! <laughs> Round of applause. Yeah, and I pulled it out of what's left of the mangled DVD case. It's just like the plastic holder for the individual DVD. And I looked at it, and there's like two tiny little teeth marks in it. And I was like, oh, no, fuck. So I had to throw it into my burner console first, my old one, you know, to oh, see if it uh, see if it worked. And it worked. Nice. So, yeah. So, yeah. Nice. I'm real happy about that. But as I was watching it, what I was getting to is like, I assumed that this was like a, like a rehearsal for a much bigger performance, but Peggy's like, oh, that was so moving. It was like, oh, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. 
And listening to Bobby describe it later, I think to Cotton, he's just like, we did a play about it in school. <laughs> that's not a play, Bobby. That's <laughs> that's a skit, I guess. <laughs> I was one of his privates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but anyways, we flash to the guys in the alley now. Yeah, see, that was, that was 1976. In 1977, I did wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, out of context, Bill. Yeah. Shut up, Bill. I did a I did a bunch of research of like what happened in 1976 that would convince him to wear shoes in 97, and I came up with a small list of things that may have changed his his heart. Uh, Rocky came out the movie. NASA revealed its very first space shuttle, the Enterprise. Oh, not a rocket. Not a rocket. Space shuttle. Gotcha. Uh, Howard Hughes died. He's dead. Oh, he died. After 20 years of being a hermit, he died in 1976. Oh. Apple was invented. And one more thing. The $2 bill came back into circulation. Oh, They started shit. printing it again. I haven't seen a $2 bill in forever. Yeah, they're worth about $4. Really? Really. But they're not very rare and not traded very much. They're not very rare? Not very rare at all. Why haven't I seen one? Because we don't live in the States. Oh, I meant the $2 Canadian bill. No, Bill doesn't wouldn't pay attention to that at all. I don't think. It might have, like, changed the price of shoes for him. <laughs> that maybe, like, he could afford them. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to know, like, the beginning of that sentence or what they were talking about, but I love, like, this, the drab dribble that the guys in the alley are just, like, like, Bill's just talking, just because yeah, no yeah. one else is. <laughs> Honestly, I, what I was thinking it was where it came from was talking about his disgusting feet. Oh, oh, okay. Like, I felt like maybe he had, like, fucking trench foot in, like, 1976 <laughs> and couldn't wear shoes. Because whenever Bill and feet are in the same sentence, I just immediately repulsed. <laughs> but I love after he comments on the on the Cadillac coming down. And oh, Hank's swerving first, from right to left. Hank's yeah. first fucking reaction. Doesn't he know men drink in this alley? <laughs> yeah, and of course it's uh, it's none other than Cotton Hill in his Cadillac car. And he's flying down the alley. He's fucking swerving. He's hitting garbage cans. And everyone runs except for Bill. Bill's hunched over beside the cooler. Cotton gets so close to him that he just slams on his brakes and tips the the cooler lid closed. Bill's and, an army man. And he doesn't he, run. <laughs> but he hops out and takes Fatty's beer because fat, yeah. <laughs> Fatty's quivering beside the cooler. could have dented group. the cooler. Yeah, he almost did. And they don't know why Cotton's there, but Cotton is quick to tell them that uh, he he kicked Didi out, kicked her out on the street. And uh, we get this amazing little flashback to Cotton, and he's sitting on his couch with his feet up. And this is one of the only times where I can remember seeing, like, the part where his shin connects to his foot like oh, those really? weird stitches and it's like oh. oh it's so strange looking but his feet are cold so he asked Didi to knit him a blanket which is obviously you know what you would do if your feet are cold <laughs> I know I thought about that like like after the fourth time I watched it and I was like knit me a blanket like I thought he just said get me a blanket first <laughs> get your knitting sticks yeah <laughs> well yeah yeah but it's 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 so ridiculous to request a blanket be knit when your feet are cold. And he calls it an argument. Like, she's just like, you're going to have to wear socks. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not an argument at all. So kick her out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Dale is a big fan of how quickly he dispersed of the subordinate. Um, but then Colin goes on to reveal that the other reason he's in Ireland is because he needs to renew his driver's license. Because he's not with Didi anymore, so he doesn't have a chauffeur. Because I guess he hasn't been able to drive for a long time with his height. 
and his eyes. Got the eye chart memorized down at the Island DMV. They ain't changed it since World War II. Uh, that's the big one, fatty. <laughs> um, I just want to comment something that Cotton Hill would know being a lifelong Texan. Um, and I believe most of the writers would probably have known as well. It is the DPS in Texas. Mm. It is the Department of Public Safety. Mm. Not the DMV. Not the Department of Motor Vehicles. Do you think they did it deliberately to be more relatable to other people watching? Yes, I do. Because I will refer to whatever ours is. Road Service BC? Yeah, Service BC. Service BC. I, I just say I will call it the DMV because like... That's what it is. It's what the Simpsons call it. Like, yeah, that's what I know it from. Like, DMV just means bad. And where we go to get our license shit is bad, bad. too. So it's yeah. like, fuck this place. Either spending money, getting tickets, uh, <laughs> paying for tickets. It does suck. But uh, Hank is very against uh, Colin getting his license. He doesn't think that's a very good idea. But, of course, Dale is all for it. And he's full of fun ideas. A man who lost his shins in World War II has earned the right to drive a motor vehicle. <laughs> I love the weight. The cotton brings to the group like Boomhauer is like the only one who just doesn't like like he's just kind of afraid of him and just like stays away from him. Bill just does yo sir yes sir everything he says and Dale just kisses his ass the whole time. But yeah. Cotton treats him like shit. He tells him to shut his clam hole. <laughs> I think I think he addresses him as Mister Dribble. <laughs> I think I feel like Gribble likes that though. Yeah, kind of like how, just how Bill like falls into like oh I he's at the military every day he has. He has to salute and all that kind of – and sir, yes, sir, to all the people at work. He's, he's the barber. <laughs> Everybody is his superior. But no, and then Gribble, who's like, you know, pretends to be the pseudo, like, army man, right? Like, the freedom fighter underground guy, like, is just, like, honored to, like, pretend to have – a An general actual, yeah. in the in the house. I really liked how throughout how this episode progresses, like Dale is getting like more and more into like an army guy. At first it's just the hat, and then it's like the fucking camel jacket, then he's got camel pants on, he's just like head to toe like militia man. <laughs> but the next day, uh Con, he's got some interesting ideas for how him and Bobby are gonna spend their summer. Cotton's bright idea is to rent an R V and go fifty states in fifty days. Oh, you know, Grandpa Hill, with an RV, you could put it on cruise control and then go in the back and watch TV. Oh. I wonder if Cotton considers something else a 50th state, because you can't drive to Hawaii. I mean... He's not doing that. I mean, let alone just trying to hit all 50 states in 50 days. Uh, I mean, you can... Seems quite impossible. No, it's totally possible. Is it? What about sure. Al what about Alaska? Yeah, but no, some of them would take you like a few days, but so many of them would be like hours. Would be hours. Right. Where you're like, oh, I can go to New Mexico and then. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it depends on how much time you want to spend, but you could totally do it. And I do believe that you probably could get a ferry to Hawaii. Like, yeah, like, a, like you could probably ship your car over on, <laughs> yeah. a, on a boat rather than a ferry. But you know what I mean? Like, you could get it over there. Because yeah. I do see Hawaiian license plates like. Yeah, and we see like we see like four like a European like RVs here that like they'll yeah. ship to the East Coast, kind of drive across and then ship them back. But exactly, it's, it's funny because as airheaded as uh, Luan's statement was, honestly, it's pretty much the same thing. Con, if he's behind the wheel or at the back of an RV, oh. he's gonna like 
destroy that RV no matter what and oh, anyone yeah. or anything in its path. Like poor Bobby would just be sitting there on his Game Boy just getting <laughs> tossed around this RV. I feel like Bobby would be running the pedals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. But if you drive through BC to get to Alaska, does that make BC the 50th? Honorary one. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Cotton Hill would have conquered as he drove through. <laughs> well, obviously, Cotton's in no shape to be driving an RV. 50 states are not. And uh, Hank tells him that, and Cotton again starts freaking out. Don't you tell me what to do! You ain't my daddy, I'm your daddy! I won the war! I can drive a car! Even your idiot friend Dribble knows that! I'm pretty sure he says Dribble. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he has this plate smashing fit, and I think he smashes, like, at least one or two more. Well, Hank's got to get some Megalo plates. <laughs> well, he tries to, because he, uh, Bobby, it gets brought up that Bobby's going on a field trip, and Cotton... Uh, well, they want him to be the chaperone. Right, and... What kind of trip you taking, Bobby? Vegas? <laughs> well, obviously that's where, you know, an eighth grade class would uh, yeah. would be going on their field trips, but they, uh, Bobby tells Cotton that they're, uh, they're going to the Ireland Museum because General Santa Ana's leg is uh, stopping in Ireland on its way to Mexico, and then Cotton really gets mad. And it's funny because everyone just starts, like, like grabs their plates, <laughs> so he's just looking for something to smash. <laughs> I love the, like... Uh, the fact that he's so outraged about a prosthetic when he lost his shins in the war. Like, he can't get his shins back. Why should Mexico get the leg back? Like, that's his thought process. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, and he doesn't quite, like, identify that, really. Like, I mean, he almost does when he goes crazy, but it's, I thought it was a pretty interesting point. <laughs> Yeah, he goes pretty nuts. And that's when Bobby tells him about how stoked he was that he was in that sweet play at school yeah. the other day. But uh, after breakfast, we see Cotton, Bobby, and Hank, and they head on down to... The DMV, or the DSP. DPS? DPS. Yeah, damage per second. Yes. Whenever they get down there, uh, Hank obviously is kind of walking very awkwardly because he knows uh, what he's about to do to Cotton. And uh, before, and that was the hardest thing he's ever had to do. <laughs> say one sentence to a clerk. Yeah, right. Uh, he leans in, and you don't hear what he says. But the clerk obviously changes out the eye test. Yeah, what does he fucking care? Yeah, he doesn't give a <laughs> fuck. Like, all right, whatever. I, I wonder if Hank told him why, or just asked him to switch it. Do you think Hank was just like my my dad can't pass? Like, I you, feel like yeah. I no, I feel like he was like he's got it memorized. He can't read it. Yeah. That and change it. Like that's all you really have to say. Pretty much. Well, I mean, it didn't take much to change it considering they hadn't changed it in since the big one. I thought <laughs> of that and like they had that other like replacement one like pretty handy. That whole scene's funny. Like, as soon as it starts and they go in and there's two people in line and Hank's like, oh, would you look at the line? We're going to be here all day. And Cotton's like, I gutted a man who whined less than you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's funny, like, the visual of, like, Hank, or sorry, Bobby and Cotton walking up to, like, where they fill out the paperwork and they're both, like, you could just barely see, like, the tops of their heads. And it's like, yeah, like, he really shouldn't be driving. But Cotton memorized a little, uh, a little ditty to help him. <laughs> now, these are helpful anytime you have to memorize something. You know, you, you kind of create acronyms or little sayings. Like, 
Uh, I remember in school, I learned like the capitals of all the this, this provinces in Canada by making little phrases. Like, no, Scott, you can't fax in Halifax. Because okay. Halifax is the capital of Nova Scotia. Okay. Or Yukon, or ride a white horse. Uh, you could. Yukon, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Or the scale. Every good boy deserves fudge. Yep. Or uh, face, yeah, really. face, just face, deface is sometimes if you want to recognize the bottom note. <laughs> or uh, never eat soggy wieners. Yes. <laughs> Figures out your uh, your north, your west, your east, and your south. Oh. Never enter smelly washrooms, baby. <laughs> All right, Clicky. Now take down the first letter of every word I say. Some day, Governor Reagan will run for president. I pass. Give me the license. <laughs> <laughs> His utter confidence is admirable. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the clerk's just like, wow, I've never seen anybody get every single letter wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that clerk's deadpan is, is pretty good. So good. Is that, was that uh, David Herman or? I'm assuming it was. It wasn't. Was it was it... a pretty good voice. Like, I really liked it. Yeah, it sounded uh, very, like, Arlen-esque, like, very familiar. And doesn't and David Herman is in this episode. Otherwise, isn't he not? I'm not sure. But uh, after uh, Hank and Bobby and Cotton angrily storm out of the DMV, we see the guys and they're standing on uh, the front of Hank's lawn having some beers. And Hank's telling them about how what he had to do. And Dale's like, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a smart move. As long as the clerk doesn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you silence the clerk. Yeah. But uh, Hank had this kind of I. Idiom, analogy, word usage. Yeah, I really liked it. It was uh, it was practical and also really true. My dad's getting close to the end zone now. I got to start calling some of his plays. <laughs> it's a, it's a fact. When he gets close to the end zone, you you gotta kind of take control a little bit. I feel. Yeah, and like Hank doesn't say that lightly, right? Like that's a that's a big issue in his life, and you know a lot of a lot of heart go, goes into that saying and. Next thing we see, Cotton comes uh, staggering out of the house, and he's pissed off, and he's telling about how the eye chart got switched on him, and he needs a license. And, and I like how the Boomhauer chimes in, and he's just incoherently mumbling about how they took a bad picture of him. <laughs> so he had to have his uh, his hair looking like Cokie Roberts for, <laughs> yeah. for four years. Cokie Roberts is like an a woman uh, journalist who has, like, just what you'd expect, like a 60-year-old woman's hair. Okay. Look like. <laughs> and I guess that's what Boomhauer uh, looked like. Her name's Cokie Roberts, so she goes by Cokie Roberts, but her real name is Mary Martha Corinne Morrison Claiborne Roberts. She got Cokie in the 70s? I guess so. I think she's just weird. <laughs> I get, eventually, Cotton decides he's just leaving because he ain't going to live with a Hank and Hank's wife. Well, because, yeah, Dale lets it slip. Well, he doesn't really let it slip. He just blatantly says mm. it. To Cotton that uh, not as smart as you, Hank. Yeah, change in the eye chart, and Cotton starts. Losing oh, because his shit. because of Gribble's uh, sale idea. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just a genius idea. <laughs> just put a sail on your Cadillac, and it's a boat. I asked the tip of the spear why he was flying that tarp, and I guess that's why. <laughs> yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> that tarp that said "trust no one." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Cotton starts losing his mind, and I, I thought it was just hilarious that he's uh, called Hank Benedict Arlen. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, Dale. Ah, looks like we got ourselves a Benedict Arlen. Where do you get to say it for yourself, boy? 
Is Benedict Arnold the guy who could never tell a lie? No, that's Abe Lincoln. Oh. Honest Abe. Oh, Honest Abe, yeah. Benedict Arlen was, I can't remember Arnold. who he turned on. Yeah, Be- Benedict Ar- Arnold was a traitor. I can't remember who he turned on. Wasn't he the guy with the the key on the for the lightning with the kite? No. Um, you are thinking of Troy Aikman, actually. Yes, okay. He's the only one capable of catching lightning in a bottle. And then throw that lightning across the field. <laughs> but yeah, Cotton, uh, he's done. He's done with Hank. He's done with the guys. And he uh, gets in his caddy. He uh, makes sure to run over one of Hank's hedges. And then he <laughs> parks his caddy in the middle of Dale's lawn. He says, Gribble, good news. <laughs> I love how Gribble just instantly refers to him as daddy. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> the ending of the scene, it's just like, daddy's staying with me. Yeah. <laughs> Do we actually like... At this point, we don't. But, like, Gribble's dad isn't really mentioned. Um, What was he like? Because we saw him in the Order of the Straight Air episode, didn't we? But he just looked like Dale. Yeah, when he... I won't spoil it. Because, like, when he... (laughs) You have ever met. (laughs) Uh, Well, you did spoil it. (laughs) Yeah, we can cut that. You just spoiled it. (laughs) It also kind of feels like, was Gribble an only child? Or did he have some sort of family or sibling feud that he kind of always lost out as the favorite and is now maybe taking it out on Hank? I, I, again, I thought it was mostly his obsession with, like, military fanaticism Mm. that, like, makes him admire. Because every statement that he says in this episode is, like, trying to honor him as a veteran. Like, just, just me, just pandering to him, like. Well, it's not only, like, his military expertise, it's also, like, Gri- it's also Gribble's, like, technology forte, because he has the capacity to hack and make driver's licenses. Well, I mean, he's pretty good at that. There you go, sir. One perfectly forged driver's license. Good until the year 3000. Good boy. Here's a dollar. Mm. Um, so this, this scene's great. And there's also a deleted scene in here that, uh, Cotton, right after he gets the license, it's obviously the back of a Cheerios box. (laughs) Um, it's like, he says, after he says, here's a dollar to Dale, he like starts saying, he's like, oh, and by the way, Gribble, I seen an engine running around your house last night. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and Hank's just like. Oh, Dad, no, you did it. And then Dale's like, no, Hank, if the war hero says he saw an engine last night, there must have been an engine running around my house last night. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. the whole This whole scene in visual is super funny. The, like the start of it where Dale or Colin's just sitting there like chewing a plate of bacon and drinking a glass of milk. And uh, Nancy's like, so did you sleep? Uh, good last night. He's like, yeah, fine. And he's just like stuffing bacon in his mouth. And then Dale's I like, I thought of that. I was like, I hope Nancy doesn't mention she has to go to work. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Cotton's going to have nowhere else to sleep because <laughs> Dale ain't paying the bills there. <laughs> and she wanted to throw out Joseph's crib. <laughs> yeah. I, I made me think, like, what did Dale intend for the crib ever? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess it's good to make – you can make a bomb out of a crib with just a crib and a stick of dynamite. Yeah, of, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, me. we see uh, – could I have one too, please? You get in the hospital. <laughs>
but uh, halfway through breakfast, uh, Joseph and uh, Nancy are on their way out, and they open the door, and they say the ride's here, and you could hear hot-blooded just faintly pumping from John Redcord's Jeep. And that's about when Hank shows up, and Dale uh, asks him uh, how his garden grows, Tokyo Rose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, Tokyo Rose, to us here in Western Canada... We are instantly reminded of the 1985 number 20 in Canada only single Tokyo Rose by the group Idle Eyes. Yeah, I've heard this song too many times. Do you know about like the actual Tokyo Rose and it's like I do. its origin? Yes, the Propaganda. The women. Propaganda, yeah. T- Tokyo Rose was a name given by Allied troops in the South Pacific during World War II. That's the big one. Dummy. <laughs> 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 to all female English speaking radio broadcasters of Japanese propaganda, uh, the programs were meant to demoralize Allied forces abroad and their families at home, uh, emphasizing and like exaggerating on wartime difficulties and military losses and just basically trying to get everyone to believe that they were losing the war. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I mean, it is looking at this song, though. It is referenced as uh, in music. Like, this is the name of, like, seven songs. Oh, what a bunch of shit. And, like, this is because of CanCon, Canadian content laws on our radio. We're forced to listen to it every hour. (laughs) 33% of our music has to have two of the three following uh, requirements, being either the recording artist is Canadian, it is recorded in Canada, or it is, um, I believe, written by a Canadian has to pass at least two of the three to qualify for Canadian content. And 33% of our radio needs to be that. So this song, I hear it every day on the radio. (laughs) And at first I was like... But then I was like, you know, it's pretty good. It's got me. I like this song a lot. Yeah, it's definitely one of those ones that's just so ingrained in, like, our uh, FM radio that we hear. It's just, like... This is probably, like, I've, I've probably heard it a thousand times, and this was the first time I've actually listened to it. Re- oh, really? You know what I mean? Like, I've always heard it. It's always just, like, background noise, yeah. elevator music sort of thing. And then today I was just, like, like, I looked up the lyrics and shit to see if there was any references to, like, obvious ones to Tokyo Rose or anything. But, uh... Yeah, no, I, I think, like, it's funny, because I was, well, I was looking it up. Uh, I was actually looking it up separately, and it came up in this episode, because I play in a thing called Music League, and then, like, the week was... <laughs> You're just looking up idolized, just by yeah. happenstance. Well, no. Yeah, on my own, because, well, I do like this song, and I do listen to it. Starting about last year, probably, like, was like, oh, this is really good on the radio, and, like, added it to playlists and such. But, uh, I, it's, so the, this week's category for Music League is, is first track on a band's debut record. And this is fits that criteria for idolize, and uh, and I looked them up and I re- noticed they're actually from Vancouver, which is like 100% why we know it and nobody else does. Like you go to YouTube, this thing has like 200,000 views on Spotify. It had 290,000 listens. Like there's nothing. The rest of their songs had like 3,000 listens. Yeah, like. Like when you hear this song, it's just like, oh, that's Jack FM. Yeah, oh no, <laughs> like, I hear yeah. the goat. Like Jack FM. I hear it on the goat. The goat rocks. The goat, yeah, <laughs> when I'm North Island, yeah. You tell a story like Tokyo Rose. I got the picture from the stains on your clothes. Didn't they tell you about the shape I'm in? In this condition of car. 
thank you that. Thank you for that, guys. So he's basically just saying that Hank's going around spewing propaganda. Apparently. So now Cotton has to, you know, start his errands for the day. He's got his brand new license. Uh, Colonel Mills has to go buy General. Some... <laughs> General Mills. General. The makers of Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> he has to go buy some shin salve. What do you think it smells like? I'm done. I'm going down to the drugstore to pick up my shin salve. Shin salve? I don't know, it's like petroleum jelly, but I, I told you guys, I thought he was saying shin sap. Yeah. And I was yeah, just man. like, man, that's cringy. Like <laughs> shin jelly is weird enough. <laughs> it's yeah. shin sap. So thanks for correcting yeah, me. Yeah, no, salve. I actually did have to put the uh, subtitles on there and, and like rewind it a few times because it was going by so fast. That's the thing with these cotton episodes. Like you remember the first one when he's like like spewing his gibberish on the couch <laughs> about the Charlie's Angels and uh, stuff and we're all like not getting the shit. Yeah. Yeah. We're like no way like well, that's not English. Like what no. he's saying. It literally took all three of us putting our brains together to figure that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> Hours. Yeah. So of course uh, not being able to see a fucking thing in front of him Cotton smashes into a parking meter, and, of course, the meter maid's there already given tickets. Okay, that's the police officer. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she obviously arrests him. Well, only, like, after she's, like, he harasses her. <laughs> yeah, he's hoping that she's going to frisk him so that he can, <laughs> so that he can frisk her back. Calls her Cagney. Yeah. <laughs> Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he smacks her ass, and the next thing we see is a real cute little scene. He's in the front seat with his hack, <laughs> with his, and he's all cuffed. And Hank's talking to the cop, and he's just like, yeah, I know, it's expired. And she's like, it's printed on a cereal box. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. She's all condescending, like, talking to him like a child, like, okay, General Mills, I'm going to send you with your son. All right, General Mills. Now I'm letting your son take care of you. You have to promise to be a good boy. Do you recognize your son? Yep, he's Benedict Darling. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I talked to that woman in Texas. Like that is a good, like that's a good Texas sounding. Mm-hmm. I f- that sounds right to me. Yeah, it's Nancy Hicks scribble with a bit of a twang, <laughs> right? More twang, I guess. There's these weirdos that work work at Walmart at the customer service desk and. Like, every time I go in there, she tries to do a new accent, but she thinks that nobody catches on. Like, she can just pretend to be a new person every day, and nobody notices, but it's just like, I, I'm there frequently, uh, and I know what you re- really sound like. <laughs> and she does a terrible Texas accent that's kind of like that, no. but a lot, a lot more Canadian, and it's just, it's really, really frustrating to hear. Gosh, that woman should be committed. <laughs> But uh, uh, after Cotton agrees to go with Benedict Ireland, we see Hank and Cotton, and they're in Hank's truck, and uh, Hank's trying to convince uh, Cotton to give it up. He's made his point. Come back to the Hill House. We're going to have dinner tonight. And they're parked in front of Dale's house at this point. And Cotton goes, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll do that. Just uh, give me a second. I'll go get my stuff. And Hank waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits. And then he looks, and he sees in the window, and it's uh, it's Dale, and he waves at him. And Hank kind of like really slowly waves back, kind of like, oh, why are you waving at me? And then he drops his pants. So yeah, Dale drops his pants, starts mooning Hank. 
And then Cotton attempts to moon him, but he's too short. So Dale has to pick him up with one arm and press his ass against the window. And he's just like, boom! <laughs> and peels out. I love it. This, I feel like this is the moment where Hank is like, my father has lost his goddamn mind. Yeah. Like, he thinks Dale Gribble is a reasonable adult. Like, <laughs> like, my dad's got, like, this is when he actually thinks the cop is might be right in that his father might have senile dementia. Like, yeah, he's just like, he's not being his crazy self anymore. He's actually crazy. Yeah. I love Hank's, we passed it, but I love Hank's line. My dad's just like a character, like a cowboy. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. There's a lot of people that I would be like, you're fucking crazy, but it's like, they're characters. Yeah, you can pull it off. And yeah, you're right, because uh, the next scene we see, Hank's pulling out all the stops, and he's heading to the mall to talk with Dee Dee. Oh, yeah, this is like... What? This is the final shinsult. Yeah. <laughs> it's on you, green boy. Oh, is it? Oh. So, Hank goes to visit Dee Dee at the makeup counter at wherever Sears or wherever she's working, the Bay, <laughs> the Bay for us. It's probably the Bay. Yeah. yeah RIP Sears. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sears is done anyway. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so Dee Dee's at work and Hank is going there and kind of like begging for her to come back. But he also learns the story of how they first met. Which I will say I like a lot more than Hank and Peggy's first story. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I love it. Do you have the shins drain quote? Yeah! I come in here once a year to get my shins drained. I don't take no anesthetic. Did Lincoln ask for girly gas when they blowed his head off? <laughs> I don't think Lincoln was aware his head was about to be blown off. <laughs> I mean, he never told a lie, so I'm sure he did. Probably want some girly gas. Yeah. Oh, probably didn't hurt. Um, but yeah, then this, I guess, the playing the Andrew sisters and getting a real close-up look at that bottom yeah. of Dee Dee's. That, that sealed the deal for Cotton. What did Cotton say when she bent over and it was like her butt was like magnified with that glass? It was like sweet peach or peaches and syrup. Oh, or peaches and sweet Georgia peaches and heavy syrup. <laughs> it was definitely heavy syrup. This <laughs> is like, oh, oh. He's <laughs> just like losing his mind. And caught, or uh, Dee Dee sees him as like, uh, he's just cute and helpless and she wants to, to save him while he's just like, this is a little baby. Yeah, he's just super cute. And she's like, it's just like Romeo and uh, uh, Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> but now the magic's gone. Cotton said my bottom was too small. Do you think it's too small? Oh, no. Put that away. It, it, it's fine. It's very uh, big. <laughs> so, obviously, she says no to Hank, but it kind of plants an idea in his head. Yeah, and then Peggy says isotoners make sundresses, shows up in this disgusting potato sack. It, yeah, it looked like a nylon sock big enough yeah. to fit a woman. Do you know what isotoner is? No, they're, uh, they are a company who make, like, like, gloves and toques and wallets and sandals like like hard material kind of things like oh, not like okay. if if they did make sundresses the joke is that it would be like a like like a leather sundress or like a like a canvas mm. or something like that yeah it totally looked like just a big burlap sack it looked like a potato <laughs> sack yeah 
Peggy filled it out quite nicely. Uh, anyways, we, we fast forward to uh, Hank going to kind of plead a Cotton, who's still at Dale's. And now they're in, like, they are in full military mode now. Like, they're they're beyond the borders of crazy. And they are in Dale's basement smoking cigars. I mean, anybody who's entered Dale's basement is into the realm of crazy. Uh, cigar, Hank? No, thanks. Good, because they all been smoked. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got me on that one. <laughs> Any scene in Dale's basement is, is funny. Yes. Like, no matter what it is, if we're in Dale's basement, it's it's funny. And uh, Hank goes on to uh, to say his purpose, like reason why he's down there. And he wants to invite Cotton to be a chaperone on Bobby's field trip. And Dale says one of the funnier things of the episode. He's like, no. Daddy's taking me bumper bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Hank's like, stop calling him daddy. Um, They're way too old to be bowling with bumpers. <laughs> yeah, why is that the <clears throat> exclusive bowling they're going? <laughs> like just bumpers? So I don't know where it would be, but there's a deleted scene that would be after Cotton lost his license. Um, and he's trying to, he's attempting to take Bobby to, uh, some cockfights oh, on a God. bus. <laughs> Jesus. And so they get on the bus and Bobby's like, oh, it's so hot. And God's like, you can take your pants off when you get on the bus. <laughs> Bobby's like, cool. <laughs> and then the bus shows up and he's like, Cotton starts complaining that it's missing a step. Cause you can't get up on it. <laughs> and so they're, they're like, send him to the back with a handicap ramp, like slowly comes down. There's like ladies on the bus are like, Oh fucking, Oh God, hurry up. Like, and Cotton's just so defeated. He's like, Bobby, get off the bus. <laughs> and like, just like walks off all sad with Bobby. Like he's just, this is why he needs his license. <laughs> um, also I wanted to mention another incredibly funny line that like, it, I don't know also where it fits in, but it's sometime – and it's a deleted scene where Hank and Peggy are – Peggy's bringing up that she doesn't want Hank to have – to let Cotton stay with them. And he's like saying – and she's like saying that he he shouldn't have his license and everything. Like he doesn't need to drive anyway like Dee Dee does the driving and stuff. And so – and Hank's just like – he just likes to have his license, so he still feels like he's in the game. <laughs> It's just like Bill and his comb. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that, that's it for deleted scenes so far. Oh damn! But uh, Cotton Cotton accepts the invitation to be a chaperone, and uh, Dale makes sure to say that we accept that uh, both of them are going to be uh, chaperoning the trip to the museum. <laughs> And now we're finally at the museum. We finally get to see uh, the leg that everyone's been talking about, or the walking log, as uh, Con likes to refer to it as. <laughs> we see him, and he's talking to Connie and Bobby and a couple other classmates, uh, and he's telling them some old war stories. He's talking about how he killed the guy with dental floss. And it's funny how, like, that one little interaction Bobby has where he's just like, oh, Connie girl. He just goes right back yeah. to being, like, Cotton Con Jr. Yeah, <laughs> Cotton Jr., for sure. Now, this is World War II, Connie girl. You was a Nazi. Yeah, I severed his windpipe with a two-foot strand of dental floss I kept in my boot. And that's why it's always important to carry dental floss. Now, I got two things on dental floss. I tried to find out um, how many times people have actually been killed by dental floss. Uh, and the closest I came to finding a real victim 
was this uh, one incident. It, I think it was at an office. And uh, this, let's call him the attacker, uh, was sitting at his desk and he walked over to, let's say, the victim's desk. Uh, let's just say that. That's what we're going to call her. And uh, he was carrying uh, some dental floss. And then he approached behind her, and they saw this on the video cameras. Uh, and he put it around her neck, and he and he pulled it really tight. And uh, and she, I guess, was getting choked. And she asked him, like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Choking you." And apparently, she could still breathe, but uh, it just caused her a lot of pain. Uh, she said to the police officer, "It was a seven out of ten on the seven seven out of ten on the pain scale." That's like the most biased score ever. <laughs> it didn't suck. It wasn't great. It's a seven. Yeah, and uh, but she could breathe the whole time, so uh, he actually didn't go to jail or anything like that, but that was the... Because uh, it wasn't an assault? Because nothing really happened. I don't think that defines an assault. Well, he's not in prison. Well, I guess he don't always go to... It was his first offense. But that was the closest I came to finding somebody getting choked by dental floss, and I don't think you can actually do it. Do you know where dental floss comes from? Be moving to Montana soon just to raise me up a crop of dental floss, raising it up, waxing it down in a little white box that I can sell uptown by myself. I wouldn't have no boss, but I'd be raising my lonely. So that was a great song. <laughs> Very informative <laughs> about dental floss. Back at the museum, uh, they're now a uh, the museum curator uh, is giving the uh, the tour of the exhibit, and they're at Sandy Annie's leg, and Cotton is getting more and more and more agitated as everything he says is just infuriating him. And eventually, Peggy tells Hank to chaperone the chaperone and to tell Cotton to zip it. Now, that draft dodger, he can't do that. <laughs> the Japanese blew my shins off. What am I going to get them back? And uh, that zip it quote by Hank really, uh, really, really gets to Cotton. And he, he, he does shut his mouth. We leave, uh, we leave the museum and uh, Peggy and Hank are helping uh, round up all the kids on the school bus. <clears throat> The museum nerd comes in and he's just like, one of these kids stole the leg. I think he calls them hoodlums. Oh, yeah, hoodlums. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Hank just like instantly starts accusing the children. When I was like, if I was Hank, I would be like, oh, it's obviously my dad. Mm -hmm. Like, none of these kids care enough to steal a fucking leg. Like, but no, and then he looks and he sees Cotton escaping with the leg. Ugh. Various visual watching uh, Cotton with one leg uh, pinned up, and then he has his other leg attached, or his shin, I guess, attached to the uh, the fake leg. And then Dale's just got his arm around him as they hobble towards the Bugabago and make their escape. Yeah, it's like a two and a half legged race. Yeah. <laughs> And so, obviously, the museum curator just lets them drive off because they can't find the leg. And 
Hank knows it's Cotton and Dale, so he goes to confront them at Dale's house. I love that Cotton just, like, assumes that Hank is there negotiating on the behalf of the Texas government. like His people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you tell your boss. <laughs> yeah, because this is when Cotton uh, tells Hank that he needs it as a leverage, like a bargaining tool with, uh, with Hank's people to get him a new license. Yeah. Yeah, that's like his master plan is revealed. Because uh, he's going to, yeah, convince, the, I think it's the Mexican government, to get him uh, a driver's license. And then uh, Hank's kind of shoot away, and then Dale snickers and is like, it's in the last place that they look. Do you want to go to the leg room? <laughs> I love the leg room. Yeah, it's like a like a uh, like Day of the Dead shrine, I guess, that they're like parodying. And so it's like candles it and reminded, lights all hanging. It reminded me of, uh, of uh, Major League. Fuck you, Joe <laughs> And they're drinking, like, what are those Manhattans that they've got? They're, like, martini glasses. Yeah, they, and... probably Manhattans, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just, oh, like... Yeah, you got a jug. <laughs> yeah, and he's just, like, it's just so absurd. And, like, it's kind of funny that, like, as the, the, the scene pans away behind them from the leg room, which is actually just a closet, there's, like... 30 orange Mac trucker hats. Yeah. Like all, so good. Yeah, just like piled up in the top. And yeah. It's like uh, it's like when you see Homer's closet, it answers so many questions. Yeah, it's like 50 white uh, collared shirts. Yeah, and exactly. 50 blue pairs of pants. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, he does change his clothes. They're just always the same. Well, Einstein said it best is you make a million decisions a day and picking out your outfit is just one less you have to make. True. You know, uh, I heard Henry Rollins say the same thing, and they're both. Geniuses, right? Yeah. What the fuck did Henry Rollins do again? Henry Rollins? He just said, like, he was like, oh, I go to the store and I buy, like, 20 black shirts. He's a 20 pu- black punk bag. rock. Oh, singer for Black Flag. Oh, okay. And now he does a lot of, like, speaking and stuff. He's, He's like the most intense speaking person you'll ever hear. He is intense. I don't agree with everything he says, but I think it's always worth listening to him. Uh, after uh, having no success at Dale's house, Hank heads back to his own, and he's in the kitchen uh, talking with Peggy, and they're discussing what they're going to do about the leg, and Luann comes bursting in with some gold. Aunt Peg, Uncle Hank, I just heard on the news there's a Santa Claus exhibit at the museum, and someone stole his leg! (laughs) In the deleted, there's a deleted scene where it's just extended, extends the scene where Luann continues to cry for an uncomfortable amount of time and then says, like, we cannot hang our stockings this year out of respect. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can't wear stockings anymore. <laughs> I love that she made that connection. Yeah, it's just so funny. Like, even uh, without the extended scene, she's, like, tears streaming down her face within, like, oh, yeah. two seconds of her busting into the kitchen and Hank's just like, oh, God. I, I feel like the engine one was cut for uh, insensitivity. And this one is probably cut for time because it was funny, but the the joke really hinged on the fact that, like, she cried about it and thought about it long enough to piece together that, like, his leg stockings, we can't do that because that's disrespectful. (laughs) I picture a mirrored scene of Bill crying for the exact same amount of time at his house. It's his idol. Exactly. It's his idol. But uh, these scenes pan back and forth really quickly, and we find ourselves back at Dale's again, and uh, Cotton and Dale are having themselves almost a little uh, celebratory party for a brief moment. You got me there, little uh, goldfish crackers? <laughs> <laughs> and this is when the police, like, come to take Cotton away, and he has the best rambling I've ever heard. 
They took my shins and put them on display in the Emperor's Pagoda. That's the thanks I get for flossing them Nazis. First of all, no. No, in World War II, the Emperor did not travel inside of a pagoda. <laughs> Behind, like, the art, like, it sounds like he's implying. Because, like, you would... A pagoda, I feel, is, like, a temporary dwelling, yeah. But it's, like, something you would have, like, on the battlefield. Got ya. It's, like, maybe two, th- three hundred years ago, but... Not in World War Two. That's the big one, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what the count we're at now, but another episode in a row where Dale flees. Oh like, my God. yeah, when the cops this is a up. good one. He did it. He took the leg. It was his idea. You can have it back. Oh no! It's gone. Where'd you put it, you shitless old freak? <laughs> you are a worse traitor than Hank. <laughs> It's, it's no wonder Dale's never been actually a military man. No, it's <laughs> like, no integrity. It was like <laughs> days and days of building this like deluded sense of that they were accomplishing something and one knock on the door and it's just like, he's a legless freak. <laughs> it's, it is great because it does like, I think it, there are those people who are just so resistant to, you know, the man. And it's like, real, like realistically, they're cowards. Like they're... Yeah. They're going to hide behind their computer in 98. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, this scene kind of has a lot of uh, changing of the s- of sides because, like, Dale gives away Cotton immediately. Uh, Cotton realizes that Hank's better than Dale and then kind of gives Dale out right afterwards. All right. It's in Gribble's golf bag. I drew a one on it and signed it Lee Trevino. There's <laughs> another Lee Trevino Ruffy. Damn right. Yeah, and if you don't know who Lee Trevino is, just watch uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> watch him shake his head and reference Grizzly Adams' beard. Or you could go back and listen to our episode, Hank's Got the Willies. Where? Uh, don't do that. Bobby <laughs> picks up golfing. But um, this time when Con is arrested, he's uh, he's not. There's no uh, Hank can't save him now. He's actually in like the mental. Well, did hospital. you hear the things he said? Because oh, he he's insane. He's like, they took my shins off and hang him in Amber's pagoda. <laughs> and like, someday Governor Ronald Reagan will be president. Like, yeah, you sound like you have dementia. <laughs> like, it's like, no, sir, it is not 1981 anymore. Like, it's not the way. Yeah, so he gets taken to this very, uh, like, last or one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh esque building and uh peggy and hank show up to try and uh plead his case yeah they talk to the doctor for a bit and doctor basically says like you can either leave him here or watch him 24 7 and so they kind of realize that uh that's a full-time job and then some so they kind of go in and convince try to convince cotton that, it, that it's kind of nice in there they're like oh you got checkers and shoots and ladders if i wasn't working full-time i'd love to be here every single day all the time amen <laughs> yeah right amen it's super funny the um like the excitedness in hank's wife's voice when she's like wait he can st- he's, like, he's gonna stay here forever like <laughs> yeah yeah and like cotton is st- like his arms are strapped to the chair his like torso is strapped to the chair he can't move and they go to talk to him and this like overweight insane man like sidles up beside him and he's like find somewhere else to stand fatty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> peggy thinks that he's already made friends because he because he knows his name <laughs> it's just <laughs> hospitalized bill <laughs> So, yeah, I guess now the, the Peggy and Hank have that decision to make, whether or not they're going to be able to watch Cotton 24-7. Yeah, and Hank, Hank you know, he, he knows right away that that's not fair to anybody. 
And well, he can't do it. Yeah, he'd have to. He just can't quit his job and uh, or take cotton to work. Cotton might be a good tank way, but he'd probably uh, no kill Enrique. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be. No, no, you'd have no customers. <laughs> the best solution, really. That I mean, Hank's already planted the seeds, but now I guess he's. We don't see it, but he tricks Dee Dee. I guess says that she needs to sign something for the Cadillac. And uh, that he can set up their, like, kind of where the sparks flew. He can recreate it with the – he has a song playing. and Yeah, she goes over when she realizes that Cotton looks just like a baby like he did when they first met. And Hank slides the uh, the tray behind Dee Dee into which her big ass bumps over. Bottom. Sorry. Her big bottom bumps over. And she has to go pick it up, and Hank turns the jar to magnify her bottom, to which Cotton loses his mind. No, I would argue he gets his mind <laughs> back straight. It, <laughs> it was that like, simple. Yeah. And like, as soon as, like, Dee Dee walks in, like, he's strapped to a chair. Or he might not be strapped anymore, but he's in a mental hospital. No, I think he's in a bed again, and he, he's, he's just chilling in a bed. Yeah, and he's just like... Um, it's like, Dee Dee woman, what are you doing here? He's like, I told you it was over. And it was like, she's your only thing that's going to save you from spending the rest of your days in the loony bin. Well, he was kind of like, am I not going to go live with you and Hank's wife? <laughs> yeah, because I guess Cotton doesn't really know his fate at this moment. He probably knows, but he's hoping for something to come and save him. But this little uh, charade Hank puts on, he even gets that big, fatty, crazy man to play the music uh, for him. And... Uh, Colin goes, if anything, your butt's too big. And then she turns around <laughs> and glares at him. He's like, but I love you for who you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do love that he like buckled to just show a little bit of humanity at the end. Like he under, like at least we know then that he, we call this saving the cat. <laughs> and after the cat's been saved, we're at the, uh, the leg ceremony, I guess you could call it. So I think it's in the, 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 the transfer. Yeah, I think it's in the parking lot of the Arlen Museum. Oh, the uh, yeah, the, the handover of the leg. Yeah, so uh, the Mexican dude who's representing them has to walk with the prosthetic leg from the flag of Texas to the Mexican flag, and then everyone can clap and cheer because it's you know it's back in to being a Mexican possession. But of course, it snaps after one step, and Joseph is quick to realize that that is the fake prosthetic leg that he made for the play he was in. Here you are, senor. One driver's license. Thank you. And here you are. One Sandy and his leg. He is crazy. Like, he totally <laughs> thought that they were like, oh, yeah, thanks. That's why we gave you the driver's license. But instead, they just gave him a driver's license because it's Mexico. <laughs> and they just gave him a driver's license. I guess so. Yeah. To quote the uh, great Uncle Jimbo from South Park, hell, everything's legal in Mexico. <laughs> Truth. I haven't seen a zebra there once. <laughs> it's just a donkey fucking painted black and white. It's the only only zebra you see in all of Mexico. Every two blocks. You only Every see one. fucking two blocks. Tequila Kid over here got a picture with one. <laughs> $10 for a picture. Like, pff, fake. But, uh, totally worth it. At the end of this episode, we get something that we don't often see it's a little bit of a rarity and it's uh it's mike judge kind of narrating over a picture of the actual like an old black and white photo of the actual leg and the credits are rolling and it uh it feels like you're kind of looking behind the curtain to hear mike judge talk in a normal voice uh, it's not exactly his normal voice though 
It's it's extremely close, but it's a, it's put on for like to sound quite official. I would I would call it his radio voice. Sure, that's a good word for it. But to hear him talk casually, he drops the properness. I'd imagine so, but yeah. I just mean tone, maybe. It is a radio. It is his. Ra- I would say it's a radio voice. It's a deep version of his voice for sure. The story you've just seen is based on a true event. At the Battle of Cerro Gordo in 1847, the Illinois Volunteer Infantry captured the artificial leg of Mexican General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, while the general and his men feasted on a lunch of roasted chicken. Unfortunately, Santa Ana's leg still resides in an Illinois museum. If you would like to join the movement to help return the leg to the Mexican people, write Illinois Senator Richard J. Durbin. Thank you, and good night. And yeah, so yeah, just again, Richard J. Durbin, he does, uh, he is still the senator of Illinois. His office in Chicago is 230 South Dearborn Street, Suite 3892, Chicago, Illinois, 60604. And uh, yes, you can can go ahead and send him all your letters and let him know if you think that they should send the leg back. Sounds like he's not in any rush. He's not in any rush, but uh, Mike Judge is sure, uh, sure for that case because he, he um, you know, he says unfortunately the I mean, leg yeah. is still in Illinois. So and he, I agree. I he think, definitely wants it back. I think I think you know, like America made a mockery of the of the leg, and if you if that was like fucking Abraham Lincoln's hat, and they were like, oh man, we put a duck in this hat, and like look at this, and they were just, like, and then yeah, people would be like, oh, that's so disrespectful. If it was, yeah, if it was down in Puerto Vallarta, fucking yeah. Americans, <laughs> right? It, it's like. <laughs> 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 No, so I, I mean, yeah, like if the, yeah, America's just out there making a mockery of the leg, like they're playing baseball with it and shit. Like they had the their fun. Give fuck? it back. Yeah, give it, it back, back. Give it, give it back. back. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a former president's body part. Like return it to their home. Well, sounds to me like this episode has ended, and when an episode ends, it brings us to our final thoughts. Shit. Nose goes. Oh dear. Miles has to do it. Going first? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I never get to go first. <laughs> um, personally, I love this episode. Uh, I love the con episodes. Uh, paired with Dale makes it that much funnier. Uh, Toby Huss put on an absolute clinic doing the voice for uh, for Cotton in this episode, which was amazing. There wasn't like you know any like uh, celebrity cameo voices, but. Uh, there wasn't, like, for doing research on the episode, there wasn't a ton of, you know, kind of, like, pop culture references and stuff like that, but it was great. Uh, arguably one of my favorite episodes of uh, season two, I'm going to say. So, um, yeah, that's my final thoughts on the episode. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think you're right. Like, they did well with the cast they had, and they really tapped into the potential that lies between Dale and Cotton. Um, it just kind of makes me want to see the episode where he moves into Bill's house. <laughs> Bill might need that. That might be good for Bill. Oh, he, he'd probably make Bill sleep on his car or on the lawn or something. And he'd make a better man of him. <laughs> just, but no, I, I, yeah, I agree. I like this episode, Cotton. Anytime Cotton is there, like, you know, you're going to get Toby Huss just at his best. And it's, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, it, this episode did a lot, I thought. You know, like, I thought it did a good job of, like, making Peggy um, 
they used Peggy good. Like, she wasn't in too much, and the lines she did have were worthwhile and funny. I, I liked I liked quite a bit of this episode. I, uh, I I honestly, my only complaint is that a couple of those deleted scenes could have just been in here. Mm. Like, I would have loved to see him caught in trying to take Bobby on the bus to get yeah. to go to a cockfight. The cockfight is what, you know, interests me in that scene. <laughs> That's where they're going. Right? No. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of potential in this episode. Like, if there was good, ever going to be a King of the Hill movie, this... This is a good plot for it, I think. And it's oh, for sure. it's also like it, it I love that they take something real and like like the leg. So the whole tour about Texas, that is fictional. Yeah. Um but because it's still in Illinois. Exactly. No. Well it might leave on tours. They did charge a dime on the sideshow. But no, I like I do think that we it's just gotta write letters. <laughs> I think it's fun for the to tie in the history and like Especially when you bring cotton in, like you just there's so much gold with bringing mm-hmm. in, like that like military totally. history. Yeah, I uh, I like this episode too. Big surprise. Uh, I liked that they brought in the school and we got to see a little bit of Bobby and Joseph and also my buddy Clark Peters. <laughs> Very happy that I got to hear him speak. Uh, yeah, there's a celebrity cameo in and of itself. Yeah, for me at least. That's 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 the one and only. Pamela Adlon, is Yes, it, it is. It, correct, it is. Doing her best voice. Uh, but what interested me more than anything was two things. The feeling that Hank has to deal with Cotton getting older. That is a very real issue that uh, nobody ever wants to go through. And Hank uh, deals with it in a very mature way by putting his foot down and calling some of his plays for him. And also, I liked seeing the relationship that Cotton and Dee Dee actually have because I always thought she was just kind of brought in as just a throwaway joke because she's the same age as Hank. But there's obviously some sort of weird connection that they have for each other, and we got to see a little bit of that. So I will give this episode to Big of a Bottom and to Lefties. So I'd just like to say before our, our Troop Scout leader says his, uh, his final words, not only is this our final roundtable Wimitanya for the episode, it's our final roundtable Wimitanya in this clubhouse. That is true. So let's uh, have a cheers for the clubhouse. Cheers for the clubhouse. Serve us well. Yep. Right. Are you moving on up? Moving on up. We're not going away. We're just going somewhere different. We got a we got a bigger and better clubhouse for season end of season two. That's right. Out of this basement and into another basement. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's get a round table. Wima Tanya. Wima Tanya. Now. Some of you may, some of you may not know. We got our start from our very first followers, from a very special group of people. Very recently, they were banished from a particular social media platform. It was unjust, it's bullshit, and it's not fucking right. Let's just say fuck Twitter. <laughs> and can we get a round table, William and Tanya, for the homies? For the homies. Let me ask you this about this life we live And let me try to swerve some of this attention you give To them distant ass relatives over Hampton And if they really
really missed you so much, why don't they just call and pocket? You wasn't blood, would you still have love? Or in fact, does the blood make you think you have to love? Look, I probably love my family more than anybody here, but my homies are family too. Third cousins, get out of here. Who was you with when you got tattooed? Tattoo. Who was you tripping with when you did it mushrooms? And who the fuck threw up all over your car and then felt worse than you about the shit in the morning? Who loans your money, homie? Who owes your cash? Who taught you how to use a bond for the grass? I don't know much, but I gotta assume that when you hit your first net, your homies was in you talking about homies, homies. more order of the straight arrow join the conversation on twitter at utsakothpod or follow us on instagram at utsakothpod or look for us on facebook at order of the straight arrow the king of the hill podcast catch new episodes every sunday night please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at utsakothpod at gmail.com please no hate mail hey what's your crying for boy it's a good show this is a damn good show the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us. <laughs>